Hello and welcome to the Sportscope Podcast, your bite-sized guide to enter the sports industry. And with me for the 169th time is the storyteller, Rufin Williams. How are you, mate? G'day, Ryan. I'm glad you got that right. You bang on the number there. Uh, I'm doing very well. Thank you. I'm doing very well. I'm coming down off, off a bit of a high. We've been at the Grand Prix over the weekend. Oh. was just absolutely phenomenal. 420,000 fans over the weekend. And a bit of a um, full circle moment because if you cast yourself back to March 2020, the Australian Grand Prix was the first event that called off. The sports industry shut down and now it's back and where sports are back on, events are back on and it kind of has uh, signified the return of uh, the industry, which is really nice. And um, I was actually standing next to uh, Geordie Miles, the uh, the managing director of Spark Event Group, who staff a lot of the Grand Prix. He's a massive red he- rev head, and uh, he said, "Ruben, when the first uh, Formula One engine sounded and it hit the track of Albert Park, I almost shed a tear <laughs> because our sport was back. Yeah, and sports were back in general. So uh, it's a very nice feeling to kind of yeah. be back in a state of normality. I reckon up there we'd." One of the best events I've been to. Without a doubt. I think. That and the 2018 Grand Final. <laughs> uh, it was right up there. Yeah, wow. You're right. Like, it was a bit of a full circle. Mm. You think back and it's like, this wasn't happening when all this happened. Yeah. And it's like, we're finally, we're through it. We're finally back. Which is good. The Women's T20 World Cup Final, they got ahead. They scraped in 87,000 yes. people at the MCG. Yeah. Then the next weekend, Grand Prix shut down. Yeah. Crazy yeah. stuff. Here we are. Crazy stuff. It was great being there. Uh, did you see who's the most famous person you saw there? Oh, goodness. A few AFL players, yeah. I think. I had a really awkward moment. Um, I don't know if I've told anyone this. Uh, I saw Ryan Shelton, another <laughs> comedian. Uh, and obviously a big, big fan. He was a funny guy. Mm. Uh, and I don't know why, but he, he was getting a drink at the bar and I was walking up to the bar as well and we connected eyes and I just <laughs> I like just melted for a moment and just nodded at him and then he just nodded back and we just went our respective ways. <laughs> <laughs> just a mutual agreement of Ryan to Ryan. <laughs> Genuine respect for the Ryan. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know how that just shows how awkward I am, but it was mm. great. It was one of the best events and boy, they go quick. Oh, yeah. Um, let's get cracking. Big episode. I'm very excited about this one. Uh, so if you want to learn more about who we are, feel free to connect with us on LinkedIn or if you want to ask us any questions, jump into the Sportsco community. As we say each and every week, it is thriving at the moment. So mm. can't recommend you jump in enough. Absolutely. And a shout out to all of our members who are working at the Grand Prix over yeah. the weekend. Spark Event Group provide hundreds of opportunities to work at different events, the Grand Prix being the pinnacle of them. Mm. And I've just loved seeing so much content flooding LinkedIn yeah. on Monday and Tuesday this week of people getting out there, getting amongst sports again and sharing what they've been up to. So yeah. uh, well done to all of our members who have managed to pick up some work there and good on you for, for sharing it on LinkedIn too. So if you want to join those people and get your foot in the door of the sports industry or hire people quickly and easily or even just learn from the best in the industry from some of our brilliant members who sit inside mm-hmm. there. There really is something for everyone. So get involved in the sports grad community. Absolutely. Rubes, a quick note from our good friends at Deakin University to 
really it's a tip to get a job in sport. So if you're currently studying or you've just finished studying, having a postgrad qualification in sports management on your resume can give you a huge leg up over other potential candidates applying for that same role. So if you want to pump up your resume, get specialised knowledge in pretty much every area of sport, take a look at Deakin's postgrad qualifications. Their Master of Business in Sports Management is not one of but the best one in Australia, ranked at number one, as you would know, my good friend. <laughs> uh, so add a postgrad to your resume and that is our tip for the episode. Now, today, it's a big episode. It is. We've been, we've been thinking about this one for a little while. So <laughs> we've both written some recounts of the last 18 months and it has been an absolute – it was actually really nice for writing it. Mm. Uh, obviously, in the last few weeks, we've had some big news. So we thought, why not write a couple of articles just to share our own experiences? So that's what today is going to be about. We're going to have a chat about our our two recounts uh, because they are long, and they're <laughs> they're really. Uh, after reading yours, I was I was like, wow, this is really good. It kind of spurred me on to get mine done. Um, but give us a bit of a glimpse into what yours is about. Yeah, sure thing. Like as you said, it's been a full this you know right now is kind of a full circle kind Mm. of moment we mentioned the grand prix two years ago we were both in our jobs at cricket australia a lot of changes happened in the last two years in the world and with us and now we're also back at a nice little checkpoint where you know sports grads kind of come together Mm. the membership has been launched the investment has been announced and we're at a nice place to kind of just take stock and start to get ready to launch into a, yep. a day-to-day rhythm and, and see what we can do from it with the platform that we've built. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so like the, the piece I wrote, I wrote a bit of a, an article about everything that has happened in those two years so that people can kind of get an idea of what has been going on behind the scenes at Sportsgrad for everything to come together for what you yep. see, to see what you see. So, oh, mate, there's been... <laughs> <laughs> There was a there was the initial move to Lawn out of Melbourne to to get it started. There was um, losing my job at Cricket Australia. There was then the temptation of another um, contract with an agency. There was then letting that go and jumping all in. Then there was the approach from the Spark guys to have investment. There was then you know you resigning from from your job and and getting set up and moving down to Lawn again to try and yeah. go all in on it and. Um, build it up and then and then uh once everything was kind of pieced together i was able to kind of quietly filter back into melbourne and rejoin the rest of society again so you fit straight back in (laughs) (laughs) i hope so i don't mind a bit of the the coastal aura (laughs) well i mean you wear your cord pants so that's like automatically a bit of melbourne style you know yeah I just need to snap back in some flat-soled shoes and I'll, be, <laughs> I'll keep the coastal theme going. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, awesome, mate. Like, yeah, I read, I read it, obviously, uh, and it's, it's great. Uh, so it kind of spurred me on to do the same thing. Uh, and mine, I, I guess, takes us back to when you first rang me about it. <laughs> it's all the way through trying to juggle two things to the best I could. Um, you know, a little bit about how I kind of, you know, a lot of guilt I felt at the time, which was tough to deal with. But then also all the highs that came from, you know, figuring out that this is actually where I want to go and what I want to do. So 
it's a it's a kind of a mix of how that that two year period played out, all up you know from when we started the podcast to when I, uh, well it's still today really. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's actually, it was actually a genuinely cool exercise. Yeah, just to think back and and write and I just kind of wrote it, <laughs> and then I've sent around a few people to get some thoughts and some feedback <laughs> and none better than yours. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, it's going to be good just chatting through it today. Like I think there's some good questions that we can share some answers to that for mm. people out there who um, obviously we want you to read the article, so, so go and do that. Mm. Um, but this might just add a little bit, bit of extra icing to the cake yep. of the article. So <laughs> by no means will we go into every detail today that would be here for a while. Yeah, it's uh, a lot that happened in two years. <laughs> yeah, so we'd be here a while. But this is just a little snippet of, uh, of, of those two articles that we've written. Um, so I might start with you. You like when I say that. <laughs> um, the fir- first question is around, tell us about the moment when you decided to to go full-time, to turn down a few other opportunities, I believe, for a lot higher pay. It would have been the easy thing to do at the time. But tell us about how you made that decision and what it took to sort of come to that. <laughs> Um, the method to making the decision was relatively straightforward, but it was relatively straightforward because I've been applying a bit of a framework to decision-making for a little while now. Yeah. And this is a framework that I've picked up from Tim Ferriss called fear setting. And it basically just gets you to define your fears, work out what you would do to stop your fear from actually happening then come up with a plan of how you might repair it if it actually did happen and then work out what is the actual cost on your livelihood if it did happen. Mm. So giving it a score out of 10. And then yeah. you start to work through like what's a potential upside if you just gave it a partial attempt. You know, what could this potentially lead to if you just yeah. gave it half a crack? And um, I went through this process and answered all these different questions in um, in April of 2020 when I was trying to figure out should I move down to Lawn to spend the nine-week stand-down period of Cricket Australia mm. working on sports grad? And I came out of that framework thinking I'm going to be more you – know, I'm, I'm, what, what is going to cost me more is knowing that I could have passed up on an opportunity to do something yeah. unique during a time that's incredibly unique. Like you're never going to get a nine, ten-week stand-down, you know, that sort of break off work in any sort of job. It'd be good to get it again, but it would be nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like the, the opportunity of passing me by was what caused me to go to lawn the first time. Yeah. So, um, so I'd kind of already answered these questions once in my head, like this opportunity has never going to come around again. Let's just go all in. And then you got involved. The podcast started, started going really well. And that kind of gave me, validation and belief that we're onto something yeah so then fast forward i think to the start of 2021 where i had this contract that was keeping me afloat and i was thinking about uh and they'd put an offer on the table for me to go full-time with them and i basically had to ask myself the same question because it was extremely attractive like it was it was right in the space that i wanted to be working in it was secure it was comfortable it was you know, there was travel involved. There were cool organizations we were mm. working with. It ticked all those boxes. Um, but I, like, I had the gut feel immediately that I had to do sports grad. 
it wasn't anywhere near fulfilled mm. or anywhere near a sustainable point at the same time. But I just knew that if I let it up now, in five, ten years' time, I'm still going to be thinking back to that point when I was in my mid-20s and had the chance to start something but then just let it go because I took a more attractive offer over here. So that was extremely tough. But when I worked out like, sure, you'll be sacrificing pay and security and all these different things, but then realize like, all right, if Sportsgrad doesn't work out, Someone's offered you that job once. Someone might offer you that job again. Yeah. So give it a crack because there's there's always going to be another opportunity around the corner, but there might not ever be another opportunity to do sports grad no. again. So that was a very long-winded answer, but the way to making that decision was pretty straightforward with this framework that's kind of helped me. Yeah. But I think the the thing that kind of led all of it was just a belief for what we were doing and why we were doing it. And then that was kind of urged on by the feeling of regret and what if. Yeah. I feel like we've both kind of made decisions on not wanting to regret, Mm. which I think is probably a good way to make a decision. Oh, absolutely. Like, because you're dead right. You know, we probably have the same thinking where it's like, if you don't do this, you'd be sitting there in five years and, you know, imagine how flat you'd be. Yeah. To see that go bonkers and you're like, holy moly, I could have done that. Absolutely. And w- Someone else would have done it and you'd have been like, I, I literally had that idea. Yeah. Like that is so much worse <laughs> than if it does fail. At least you've got that experience and you're dead right. You know, that experience is probably going to provide more opportunities. Yeah. Because you've gone through it. I think the other thing as well that really hope, helped was just kind of acknowledging how privileged we are. Like if... Yeah the worst case scenario actually happened, we just end up in our parents' house, which is better than, you know, how 90% of the world live. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, when you put it into perspective, it's not that bad. So when you've got this incredible platform yeah. and you're lucky enough to live in Australia, you might as well go for it. <laughs> I remember thinking I was always just like, if it fails, like, I'll just go do a barista course. <laughs> I'll just go and make coffee or something. <laughs> It's never as bad as you think. Yeah. Do you reckon? Yeah. We even said, we said to each other, like, if we really needed to, we can go find some casual work somewhere. Yeah. It's all right. Yeah. The, the show goes on. Absolutely. At least we can get our microphones out and talk. Exactly. You know, it, you're dead right. You know, I'd get on a plane back to Perth and live at home for a bit. You know? Yeah. But that's like, the, that's the thinking you've got to have. Mm. You know, it's not the end of the world, no matter what happens. No. Um, what so we obviously we started the podcast did our first episode in Torquay uh, I think we were using one microphone that day because we couldn't figure out the tech it's a very sketchy episode <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, I do love looking back at the old apps um, and you know obviously we, we reached a point where we were number one on Apple which was just like what's going on yeah Um. How how long was it before you sort of thought, hey, like this this could probably be a, a paid community. This could be a membership. This could be something bigger than just the podcast. Um, good question. Because what we we the first episode came out on the twenty eighth of June, I think. Yeah, and the and that mem- was the day we found out about our if our we were done it or not, wasn't it? 
Now nah, the, re- the redundancy was a week earlier. A week earlier, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember it well. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the community launched on like the first day of November, I think it was. So there's what, you know, five full months or so um, between podcast and community. Um, I guess, sorry, what was your question? How, what well, caused what, it? Yeah, when did you know? Like was it? You know, I think the obvious answer is like you would have got feedback, right? Yeah. So was that really forthcoming from the get-go where you're like, hey, let's let's build this into something else, not just this, you know, the podcast that was existing at the time? Yeah. Well, there were, there were a lot of things that were um, giving me a lot of belief and, and validating the idea. Mm. You know, hitting number one on Apple was one example. Yeah. Then the messages that we got sent in our inbox were another example. The LinkedIn blow up. Yeah. <laughs> Remember it well. Yeah. And my favorite is, I think we were 14 episodes in and uh, this lady in Argentina sent us a message saying, yeah. hey, Ruben, hey, Ryan, have just discovered the Sports Grad podcast and I've stayed up all night listening to it and can't get enough of it. Wow. And I was like, <laughs> this is crazy. There's people in Argentina who can't sleep because of us. Yeah. <laughs> she could not go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> Simply couldn't do it. So that, like the messages and the, and the rankings combined kind of made me think this is... This is yeah. good. We're onto a good thing. What else can we do? And at the same time, I had I'd been running a kind of in person workshop in the background of working at Cricket Australia at the Deakin University Library, um, helping students with their resumes, a cover letters, LinkedIn, interviewing, all that sort of thing. Mm. And um, and I had continued that after I'd lost my job at Cricket Australia. I thought, let's just yeah. do some more one on one career coaching type work. But then, you know, wanting to, I guess, scale the impact that we could have, mm. I thought, well, if you can't do one-to-one, do one-to-many. So how can I do one-to-many? Well, I can jump on a webinar and speak to 20 people at once. Yeah. Um, or I can feed some resources into a platform and, you know, 100 people can jump on that and use that sort of thing. Yeah. So basically just start to look at the way at the ways that, you know, we could scale the impact of sports grad and i don't know what the exact trigger was but a community membership uh, offered as a subscription came up as an idea mm. and um yeah we we put the word out to uh, our audience and asked them what do you want the overwhelming thing that we received was people wanted more q a time more feedback on what they were doing more chances to get yeah. insights here and there and so that's when we started doing regular webinars and uh, networking was the other big one as well. So if we could yeah. provide a platform p- for people to connect, then we're onto a good thing. So, mm. yeah, that's kind of how it came about. I was just kind of thinking about how can I, you know, not only just help the person in front of me, but hundreds yeah. of people more. Um, one thing that is, it's always not shocked me, but I've always been like, I don't get how he does that kind of thing. <laughs> and when I first, you know, when we first started doing webinars and things like that, you just seemed to be able to just get on and, and do a webinar and, <laughs> and teach skills and teach, you know, LinkedIn, how to network effectively, like all these different things. And I was just like, how do you just, how do, you just do that? Like, I don't get it. So where, where did that confidence come from? Or, or how, how did you, how were you able to harness all that, knowledge mm. and put into practice because i did that webinar and i was absolutely crap my dad so i was like <laughs> holy shit. 
how am I going to do this? Um, well, I guess there's probably two parts to it. There's like the the content that I'm teaching, and then mm. the method of delivery. And both of them were kind of learned on the fly, just through having put into practice the things I was teaching. So having lived it myself, so um, like I went through five years of university trying to get a job in sport and then on the last, you know, the day after my final exam, got the job at Cricket Australia. And then that's when people started asking me, what did you write in your resume? What did you say to them? And so then that's Mm. what led me to start sharing a lot of my approaches and start coaching people on how to do it. So having done it myself and then having answered a lot of questions on it, it gave me a lot of time to think about what is actually yeah. at hand here? You know, what goes into a resume? What goes into a LinkedIn account? Yeah. Um, so the content just kind of grew as I was spending more time on it. But then in terms of actually teaching it, like I'm not a teacher. I didn't go to teacher's college. I don't know like what the best methods people learn by. Yeah. Um, but I guess I just started picking up on how other people teach or how other people coach or the way that they explain yeah. information. And... Just making and just making sure people were understanding everything that I was saying, um, making sure that they had enough context so that they knew why it was important, making yeah. sure they had enough examples so they could see how it could be replicated, um, yeah. and just started pulling in different little things like that. So, I guess just through time in applying the methods of job applications, career direction, LinkedIn myself, and through other students. And then through just being curious about how other teachers and, and coaches, you know, yeah. teach people, I was able to kind of put that together. And then after a while, when you do enough of them, you start to build up <laughs> confidence. But yeah, it's never perfect at first, yeah. but you get a little better at it over time. It's a bit like this podcast. It's never perfect, but hopefully we get better yeah. over time. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's honestly interesting because, you know, we've had people come in and do webinars and they've, you know, they're messaging us before like, holy hell, like I'm really nervous, like what's it going to be like? But I feel like you just, you just take it in your stride, which is quite, <laughs> quite cool. Um, I've got a couple more questions. First one will be around the pressures of starting it and then we'll get on to um, the investment and how that'll come mm. out. Um, but obviously one thing, when, when anyone's starting a new business, they're going to be stressed. Mm. They're going to be like, will this work, will it not? You know, what am I going to do if it doesn't, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you probably touched a little bit on it before, but I'm interested to see, like, how did you handle the pressure from the get-go as someone who was in an organisation of 400 people with managers of, you know, lots of layers of managers above you who can provide that support and the people around you that can easily just, you can bounce ideas off. To now, like, you are just, you're one out in the square. <laughs> it's just you. <laughs> Uh, and you've got to try and make this something. So, like, how did you deal with that stress and pressure of, of doing that? Yeah, good, good question. And then it's funny you mentioned the <laughs> the impact of not having anyone to to learn from or consult yeah. or confide in. Because I remember soon after I left Cricket Australia, there were a couple of options for me to do next. Yeah. And one of the factors that I kind of took into account was which opportunity has the best opportunity has the best you know opportunity for me to learn from other people. And I gave sports grad like a one out of 10 because it was just <laughs> going to be me. But I gave this other agency uh, like a eight or nine out of 10, basically yeah. just because I had someone to, mm. to mentor me or, or a manager. Yeah. 
So that was something that was extremely important to me because I still feel like I needed to develop myself. Um, in terms of how did I deal with the pressure, um, I guess the the main pressure was just trying to stay on my own path. Yeah. Like, yeah, yes, there was pressures of um, how do I make this thing profitable? How do I make it something that people want? You know, how do you make it sustainable? How do you get someone to put their precious dollar down to to yeah. join or even listen, all that sort of stuff? So there's pressure to do that, but I think that probably – I kind of acknowledge that I was still very early on, still very much a beginner in this space. Don't need to have it all sorted out straight away. So I could kind of test and have fun with it and feel like we'll get there. It just takes time. Just spend yeah. more time working on it. Spend more time iterating on it. You know, there's a great saying, put in 10,000 iterations, not 10,000 hours, and you'll eventually become an expert at something. Yeah. Um, so just keep iterating on it, keep learning from it, and you'll eventually get there. So I kind of held on to that, not really worrying about if it'll work out or if I'll get to that point, but just when, if I kept doing that. And then, um, you know, I was very lucky as well to come across some really good mentors who became great sounding boards to to help that. Yeah. So that quickly squashed the um, fear of not having anyone to learn off. They weren't working for sports crowd, but yeah. they were very interested in sports crowd and happy to to share ideas and yeah. um, and provide some feedback. So the the real pressure of starting a business was being the only person I knew starting a business. <laughs> yeah. And that became a real pressure when, you know, your friends want to go out for drinks on a Friday night or they want to grab dinner on a Tuesday or, or even when you've been playing cricket for 17 years, your team still expects you to be at training twice a week and, <laughs> and rock up on a Saturday. Like there were a lot of yeah. expectations. I, I don't know if I placed them on myself or not, but felt yeah. like I had to be in all these different places at once. Yeah. And I couldn't do that because I knew I just wanted to spend time on sports grad to get it off the ground. (laughs) So the hardest thing was just not comparing comparing myself to what other people were doing. And the best way to do that was just completely remove myself. (laughs) (laughs) So Move two and a half hours away. (laughs) Yeah, so moved down to Lawn, spent eight months there and that really became a nice little place where... um, Haven. Yeah, nice little haven where I was just kind of locked in my own world for a little while, which there were good parts and, and difficult parts too. But um, yeah, I don't know what the best way is to to start a business, but this was my way of going about it and just really focusing. Probably a good way. Perfect way. Yeah. <laughs> Get in your haven and stuff everyone else. <laughs> Let me do my thing. Well, that, that became one of the, the hard parts because when you don't talk to all the usual people for a long, long time, um, you know, you start to miss them. Yeah, and uh, as things went on, and a lot of successes started to come to fruition, you know something good would happen. It'd pop up on my phone, and I'd just be standing there in a room by myself celebrating. Yeah, and I was like, "This is cool," but it kind of feels a bit hollow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, where are my friends? Where are my family? I want to share this with the people who yeah. I've grown up with, and they weren't there. So great for focus, but then mm. you know, isolating is not good for connecting with people and. Yeah. Um, a lot of the reason why it feels fulfilling to do sports grad is being able to share it with friends and family. So there's no perfect way to it. You've got to kind of mm. sacrifice some things at some point. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, let's shift to the investment stage. The the ding 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 ding. The lights. <laughs> um, obviously, you mentioned in your article around how you met. I think it was Bennett to start and Shannon. The yep. Order, the ordering. Mm-hmm. I'll get. Um, talk us through those first initial thoughts that you had, and then maybe let's fast forward when it all happened and how you were feeling <laughs> to to get it over the line. Mm. Yeah, I guess. Well, yeah, I, I'm, I met Bennett uh, in around September 2020. He popped up on LinkedIn and sent me a, a very nice message, which was uh, very cool because I've been following him for a long, long time. Um, and knew exactly who he was, and now he yeah. was reaching out to me. <laughs> um, uh, and so we kind of chatted for a bit, just bounced ideas because we were just two like-minded people who were, you mm. know, motivated to help people get jobs in sport. And so there was, we weren't really discussing much. It was just like, hey, what do you think of that? Or yeah. what do you think of this? Or have you tried that? Or have you seen what they're doing? And so there was nothing, nothing there. Yeah. And then we began iterating on the, uh, on the membership and we put a post out one day. I remember thinking, if we want to make changes to the membership, we want to have them ready by next week, then we need to kind of give it a bit of a launch plan. So if we're going to put this post out on Friday and that post out on Monday and then the other one on Tuesday the week before, then it needs to start tomorrow. Yeah. This is about 11.30 p.m. at night. Yeah. So I remember like dragging myself back out to the laptop and like crafting up some post and I was like, oh, let's just do it. Yeah. <laughs> Press schedule. The next day I woke up and uh, the post didn't really get much traction at all. It was like 25 likes or something. But it did yeah. get a message from Shannon Gove, Bennett's cousin, fellow um, director at Spark Event Group, fellow co-founder of Event Workforce Group, who provide all the opportunities for jobs in sport. And he just said, hey, really like the look of what you're doing. Um, let's go have a chat. And so same sort of thing. I know who yeah. sh- knew who Shannon was. This was exciting. He was interested in what we're doing. Um, went along to the tennis uh, I'd never been to Rod Laver before, but then suddenly watching the semi-final between Sissipas and Medvedev. And uh, yeah, Shannon was just sitting next to me going, Rubes, we love what you're doing. We just got to do some work together. Mm. I was like, okay, cool. This sounds cool. Why don't you come into our office next week? Rocked up to the office. Shannon then starts saying like, you know, we love what you're doing. It's excellent. We can see it going quite far and the same problem exists right around the world what would look like if we were to invest in you Mm. and i was like almost in tears at this point after he'd just like been complimenting (laughs) me for like five minutes straight and i was like oh my god this is really nice (laughs) thank you yeah exactly (laughs) um and it was just like yeah completely overwhelmed because it wasn't something i'd ever i'd never thought i'd be asked about and I think I called you straight away, which was um, quite funny because like a day before we were literally, we'd come out of a meeting from a, a radio station where we were thought yeah. we were being approached to um, <laughs> yeah. present or do a show on the radio station. Instead, they just wanted our money for us to sponsor yeah. their station. No, we don't really have a sales budget. Yeah. Like we're not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I remember getting into the car with you and like, gosh, it'd be good if just someone could like chuck us a bit of money in. Um, yeah. you know, give us a bit of a runway. Cue yeah. Shannon the next day. Hey, what would it look like if we were to invest in you? 
And from that point onwards, it was just like, it was a whirlwind. It was a complete whirlwind. Um, this was two weeks after I had left the contract job, um, which kind of gave me belief that there's something, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Like I wasn't yeah. jump initially. I had thought I was jumping off a cliff to just see how long it takes for me to land. But now, two weeks later, there was like, all right, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And yeah, went through all the fun stuff with the negotiation. <laughs> Long process. Yeah. And then um, I remember being in the meeting room with uh, Bennett and Geordie. And Geordie was like, so we agree? And I was like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> and he just like stood up and shook my hand, shook Bennett's hand. And I, I don't know if they thought I was happy or not because I was kind of like stunned. Yeah. Like I was a bit emotionless because I was trying to figure... Literally, I was just like, what is happening right now? You know, like this stupid little YouTube channel that was not doing anything is now got two guys shaking my hand over it. So, yeah, I don't know if they were like, God, is he happy to be working with us now or not? But um, after they left the room, I just kind of sat in that room for a little while by myself and just kind of took it in, reflected... Yeah. And then I called you on FaceTime and we, we started celebrating and um good photo of that night too. Yeah, 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 we had a few ABC's drinks afterwards. Great, great establishment. Yeah. So it was like it was pretty surreal. It was incredibly surreal. And then uh then through the whole paperwork situation, yeah. that was a roller coaster as well. And then by the end of that, similar sort of feeling. We were in another meeting room, signing Sitting papers away. And I, again, I was kind of like, should I be like ecstatic right now? <laughs> and I think I was, but I think I was like too overwhelmed by the moment to yeah. for my emotions to show how I really felt. Yeah. So similar sort of sort of thing. I was kind of like blank faced in that meeting, signing these papers, just being like, uh, "Yeah, what is che- happening? Cheers, guys." Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll never forget when you walked in with a champagne bottle at ten a.m. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of the great memories. So, um, yeah. In those moments, I kind of was overwhelmed and found it difficult to like properly emulate how I was feeling. But in the background, was just like, "This is awesome. Yeah, this is brilliant. We've now got the chance to to yeah. do it full time." Yeah, outstanding. Mm. <laughs> and then we're today. And then here today. <laughs> um, Crazy. I know it's been a bit of a whirlwind, but um, that was it. Yeah. Anyway, if anyone wants to check out more of the details of any of that, there's an article on LinkedIn. Just go to my profile. and It's on there right now. Yeah. I'll pin it to the top so people can make it easy to find. Yeah. <laughs> and your featured media, I would have thought as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, I've got a few questions for you now. Oh, here we go. Because there's kind of, there's two start, two sides to every story. Yeah. And yours is um, uh, equally compelling. So I, I want to um, find out from your perspective... You know, when we started, when we started the podcast, what were your initial thoughts and where did you think it was all going? Well, when we first started, I mean, I, I, and I wrote this in my little article, I was like, I just, I just finished doing the Uni Blues podcast and I was like, oh, I mean, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not a podcast, so I won't be doing that again. <laughs> and then little we known, a couple weeks later, you, you'd ring me and say, let's do it. And I was like... Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, but 
Yeah. When we first started, I was like, this is, this is just a cool concept because we get to speak to epic people and just ask them the questions that people are dying to ask them. Everyone's trying to get a coffee with X, Y, and Z. It's like, well, if we can help do that, I don't need to organise that. Hopefully I still do, but, you know, <laughs> we can just shed some light. So, you know, and initially, I, you know, I was very much just like, this is just a podcast and we'll just do that. And, you know, also part of the the plan wasn't that you would not be at CA with me anymore. <laughs> you know, when we first started, I was like, well, no, nah, that's not going to happen. Yeah. I wanted my desk back right next to you. Yeah. You know, it was going pretty well. So, you know, in terms of that, I was like, I guess I was quite narrow-minded. I was just like, this will just be a podcast and we'll have a bit of fun with it and see where it goes. And then, you know, as it just kind of, as we kept going with it, it was almost like I was, I wasn't waiting for the time that we wouldn't do it. It, I was just like, is this, is this going to keep going? Or like, where, where is this going to go? Because mm. there was nothing wrong with it. You know, it was like, it was a good idea. So I was like, if we just keep doing this, uh, where does it go? And I didn't really know, honestly. Um, but I think it, when we started to receive messages from people and, you know, number one on Apple Podcasts, like all that kind of thing at the start, I was like, what is crazy? Absolutely crazy. Um, but like, yeah, where I saw it was going was just when we got that feedback and people started messaging you saying, hey, love this can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? And I was like, you know, part of me was kind of like a bit of imposter syndrome. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like I can tell <laughs> you what I know, which is really what we do. Mm. Um, and that's that. So I guess when it, when it became apparent that I can just share what I think and what my opinion is or, or what I've done in the past, it was like, well, why can't this go into something? But when we first started, I, like, no part of me was like this, like I didn't understand the gravity of how big it could be and I think I just didn't understand the demand for information on how to work in sport. Um, but I, I get, you know, they quickly changed. You know, first few weeks I was like, you know, we're doing a podcast here on a coffee table in Torquay, so, <laughs> you know, where can this go? But, um, yeah, it was just kind of like when we kept getting that feedback in that I was like, it's a, it's a pretty cool concept. And then, you know, we started talking about like a subscription model and things like that. And I was like, that's actually, you know, it's quite cool. You know, I've worked in a subscription business before, very, um, you know, like product, like physical product mm. uh, based, but it's a cool concept, you know. Um, so, yeah, it was an interesting one. But I only really realised that a few months down the track. When I first started, I was like, oh, I don't know where this is going. <laughs> what's what's Reuben got cooking up? Here? <laughs> Who knows? But yeah. <laughs> and um, what was the hardest part of trying to trying to do both whilst also kind of not being sure about where it's going? Yeah, I, I think the hardest part, one hundred percent, was like letting you down because, like, I, I knew that you had you'd gone all out on this. And I almost felt guilty that I still had a job in a way because I was like, you're doing this. You know, I'm kind of in a dream job, but, like, I love doing this with you. Mm. 
But at the end of the day, it's like I'm getting paid in one and not the other. And like I can't, you know, I can't kind of say, sorry, guys, I'm, I'm out for a couple of hours. I'm just going to go <laughs> do a podcast. Like, mm. And at that time also, like it was I, I was in a role that I kind of felt, um, you know, like I was very fresh to it at the same time. Mm. Like I kind of got thrown into the partnerships team and had to manage partners. Whereas before I was just like a, you know, I was seconded there to be a coordinator, which would really kind of support the team and not, wouldn't manage any any partner at all. Mm. So part of me was like, I need to do more to get up to speed with how to do this <laughs> uh, while still, you know, trying to give what I can to this as well. Mm. So you're kind of learning two jobs at once. Well, yeah. Like I'm... Yeah, a little bit. Um, but it, it was just like I just I just felt bad when like, you know, we had to record at 7 p.m. because like, I've got to work mm. like or we'd have to do it on a Sunday. That that never bothered me, by the way. <laughs> like I'm, a, I'm quite late anyway. You have to so. say that though. It's all right. <laughs> no, genuinely. Yeah. Like I do most of my work late night anyway, so 7 p.m. is quite yeah. ideal. <laughs> but I did, it was more just like I know we could be doing this. Like how good would it be if mm. we could just do it whenever? Yeah. And I kind of, you know, understood how it was a little bit frustrating. But, uh, yeah, I, I guess it was kind of like a my mind was a little bit – it was like I was just being stretched mm. like a lackey. Yeah. Analogy. <laughs> Like I really I, like I love my job at CA. Like I I wanted to work in partnerships for the last few years, mm. as you know, as we mentioned in our articles. So it's like okay, well you've find, you've got this opportunity and you, you you want to grab it with both hands, but at the same time it's like you're doing this really cool thing. You can see that it's helping people. You you know you're starting to see that this could be something. This could be your main priority going forward. Mm. What do you do? And it's like one was complete security, you know, dream job. You know, you, you can see where it's heading. You can progress in the next few years. You never know. One's kind of like you're in the dark. You don't know what it could be. Yep. Uh, but it, it comes back to the, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to go the easy option and not see what that could be and give that away and you never know? mm or are you going to take take the leap, you know? So mm. that was just the constant arm wrestle, you know, trying to do both but not really sure what I'm doing with either. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, you can't – like, yes, you can, you can have side hustles and you can have two jobs if you mm. wanted to. But it was like I, I didn't – like whenever I was doing one or the other, I kind of felt like I should be doing the other. Yeah, right. Yep. Like if, I, if I'm doing this at six on a weeknight, I know in the back of the head I've got some things I still I need to do for that week. It's like, well, why are you doing that and not the other? Like yeah. Choose what you want to do. And I was constantly going back and forth. <laughs> but I, I think that like the fact that I enjoyed what we're doing and you know I could see that there were people that were benefiting from it kept the, the fire burning yep. and was just like, this is cool. And the concept of doing it with you, it's like, how many people get to do that? Not many people mm. get to go and just 
and yeah, and the other thing was like there was no there's no rule book. Yeah, like we, <laughs> we were not going. There was, there was no map on how we're going to do it. It was just kind of like let's just see where it goes. So yeah, it, it was hard being stretched to do both. But looking back on it now, I'm like I kind of had to go through that period mm. to figure it out. Yep. Like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad I did do that because it's like, you know, it hasn't made me not like partnerships. <laughs> yeah. Still love that. Still love cricket, whatever. Mm. But it made me sort of go back to what I was always interested in, was like sport and startups. Yep. So I think it was kind of a blessing. I think that's a a great insight and very real insight for people who do have a side hustle. Mm. Because there'd be a lot of people listening right now who might be doing something on the side. Yeah. Would love to do it full time. Would love to do it more than they currently can, yeah. but are getting stretched and pulled in different directions. And um, sometimes it's hard to figure out like how much time should you be putting in, and like when does that time actually happen? When do you get yeah. to do that? And when you've got nothing to compare it against, it becomes even more difficult because, as you say, there's no rule book, there's no blueprint that says no. you can do your job this time, and then this is a time where you can do your side hustle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So I think it would be quite refreshing for people out there who have also got a side hustle to kind of hear mm. your experience and think, wow, like that's what Ryan had to go through during the days and nights to get to where this is. But I think the overarching theme of that is just persist yeah, because it, it does get better. <laughs> it's tough yeah. as you've experienced. But, but that's what all the closest people to me said. They're always just like, just keep going with it. Like, yes, it might be hard, but... Just keep going because you don't know where it's going to go. Mm. So I think that's that was a good message to get. Yeah. Mm, definitely. Yeah. And when, when um, or what was it that um, made you realize you were enjoying sports grad more? Because on the flip side, yeah. you know, you were on the ground at the Adelaide Oval <laughs> yeah. during the Australian Test summer, walking the big corporates of the world around the boundary edge, yeah. and you were, you know, leading people with important lanyards up to Nathan Lyon <laughs> to get photos before and after the game. Like you were doing all the sexy parts of the best job in commercial sport, particularly in cricket. Mm. So what was it about? What, yeah. what was sports grade doing that was better than that? Um, I think, I mean, yeah, you look at that from the outside, you're like, you just want to do that the whole time, right? <laughs> get me on the field. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, the other part of it, you know, it's the middle of summer. Sometimes you want to have a Christmas and a Boxing Day and all that kind of <laughs> thing. But no, it, it trumps that. But I think there were a few conversations we had where you kind of said to me like, I I don't know if you said I want or I need or whatever it was, but you're like, if we like imagine what we can do if there's two of us and not just one. And I thought about that. I'm like, yeah, like that's a lot. Like we, you know, doubling our basically our efforts mm. to, to go all in on it. Um, but when you know we started just seeing people find jobs that have come through our membership, you know, sat on webinars, um, and like they've you know they've just taken on what we've said. They listen to the podcast. They do all these things, and it kind of hit me that it's like we are like genuinely impacting people. We can see it. Like it's, it's. You can't always see the impact that you have when you're working, but like to be able to actually see it, it was great. And I always remember Pat McGregor, that 
that Zoom call was the best. Mm-hmm. It, when he when he messaged us on LinkedIn saying, "Boys, I've got a gig at um, Little Athletics," I was just like, "Wow!" Because mm-hmm. we, you know, we'd put in a couple of hours, you know, catching up with him, you know, leading him to different podcast episodes, you know. Everything we could do to, to try and help him out and to see it happen, I was like, that and, is epic. And he just left his job with a mortgage. Yeah, took a huge leap, mm. took a massive risk. Uh, and, you know, he called us before that and he and he said, what would you do? And I'm pretty sure, I, you know, we'll say to him, like, if you're not enjoying it, get out. And, yeah. And do, find something you want to do and bust your gut to do it. And he did it and it. It all came out well, yeah. but um, I guess yeah, that that was sort of when I started to think like this is epic because I can have impact, I can influence people's lives, but also, you know, just the concept of like being able to create something, like in any job, you know, in any big organization, like sometimes you don't you're not able to be creative and, and make something yourself. Mm. Like we can make whatever we want here, like. You know, if we wanted to change his podcast and flip it upside down tomorrow, we can. No one's breathing down our neck. Yep. Um, we'll chat to Deacon, <laughs> <laughs> our good friends. Um, but you get what I mean? Like we can mm. just do whatever whatever we want. Um, so to be able to do that and put my own stamp on things was great and do it with you as well. It's like that opportunity is just epic. So mm. it was, yeah, it was a mix between being able to see the impact we're having and also just being able to create something ourselves and not mm-hmm. not always have um, someone sort of saying, can you do this, can you do mm-hmm. that? We just, we were creating, we are writing the script, <laughs> which, is, which is pretty unreal. Yep. Tell me about your resignation. How, how did that go down? Like how did you yeah. feel before it? You know, did you write a resignation letter? How did your boss take it? Uh, it was... Uh, it, it it was taken really well, hundred percent. I remember my boss at the time, Blizz, was um. He actually said to me like, "I'm not even going to talk you out of it because I think it's amazing," mm. which was pretty nice to hear. I was just like, I was obviously nervous. I was like, "Jeez, you know, what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing here?" <laughs> um, and you know, at the same time, it's like nothing was locked in. Like it was just like, "Nah, I just want to do it now." And I kind of, I wanted to take that risk a bit. I was like, stuff it. Like as we said earlier, there's always ways out. There's mm-hmm. always ways you can, um, you can do what you need to do. So I think I decided on a Thursday. I didn't do it the next day. I think <laughs> I was missing you. I think I was like, yeah, you would have been. <laughs> I'm gonna resign. I'm gonna do it. And the next day, I think I said I didn't do it. <laughs> I think it was on the yeah. It was a Monday. Um, I don't think I wrote a letter. I just, I, you know, I obviously rang, rang Blizz, told him everything. He was extremely excited. You know, he was obviously flat, but he just said, just flip me an email. Tell me what, it, what you're doing. Um, so yeah, you know, it was, it was sad, but it was just exciting. Like no, there was no one who said anything negative or anything like that it was it's and you know it's a pretty supportive environment anyway so i wasn't expecting that at all um but one question i <laughs> a few people always said to me was like it wasn't really a question it was more of a statement they were like i um 
Oh, what was it? They were like, I really respect what you're doing, but I'm not sure I could have done the same. So good luck. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like it literally happened 10 times, which is a fine, <laughs> it's a totally fine thing to say. But in my head, like, I'd go, I'd say to her, I'm like, I don't really know what, what else would I do? Yeah. You know, would you, would you say no to that? You know, would you turn down the opportunity to, to build something that's already like proving it's having an impact with people? Mm. Um, and like you said at the start, it could, could go to nothing uh, and we would have this elite <laughs> experience doing it. So mm. there was no real alternative for me. I was just like, why wouldn't you? Well, that's one of the hardest things to do, get other people to see what you can see. Mm. So it might have felt like the natural choice in your mind. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was for me. But, uh, but no, I can see why that would be bit unusual yeah the standard human being and that's awesome yeah um you told me shortly after that one of your colleagues good friend of the show lena staropoli <laughs> yeah she um Legend. episode 24 of the podcast as well might i add she said to you ryan you'll learn more in the first six months at sports grad than you will in three years here what have been some of the things that you've learned in those first six months and how have you had to adapt to a very different role that, you know, requires yeah. you to wear 10 hats at once? <laughs> yeah, that's probably the one learning, you know. You're not pigeonholed at all. Like I, th- <laughs> I think I wrote, I'm like, I'm probably head of finance, head of legal. <laughs> I'm a salesman. I'm a community guy. Um, you know, there's so many hats that it's just like, I don't, I wouldn't really be thinking about that if I, if I wasn't doing it. Um, I think one thing that I've really learned to do is just how to have just a, a genuine conversation with someone. Like one thing I really struggled with when I first started work was like just sharing what my job is. Like what do I do? Mm. And I think probably the best thing about this is like I'm just fully immersed in what we're doing so that every time I have a conversation with someone – I'm not even nervous anymore because, like, I know what we're doing. Like, everything is clear. Mm. So, if anything, it's given me just this, I don't know, not ability, but just, like, every call that I have with like an organization. Clarity? Clarity, yeah. And, like, I, I can just say what we, what we do and how we do it, that kind of thing. Um, So, that's been unreal. You know, I, I'm the worst. I was the worst at maths ever <laughs> at school, but somehow I'm – looking at finance and, and accounting <laughs> and things like that. I think I got 50 in accounting at uni. <laughs> yeah, but it's just kind of showing you, you didn't tell me that before we divvied up the responsibilities. Oh, sorry, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll think about that after. Um, but, yeah, like it, it just exposes you to things that you w- would never have seen mm. before. You know, going through all the um, investment docs, like, wow, like I don't know what that was until now. And it's like you're going to learn that. Um you know, it's just like it's almost just a bit of responsibility as well. Like if you, you know, if you're in an entry level role or even you know a couple of roles in, it's like you've got responsibility, but you don't. Like nothing's gonna completely fail if you fail. So it's like it's giving me just a sense of like, I need to do this because what's the alternative? Like, mm. what will happen if not? It's like a new level of accountability. Yeah, so that's been unreal to experience. Like it's stressful, but it's also like it's 
it's pretty good. Gets you moving. Yeah, gets you moving. <laughs> and yeah, that's actually a good point. Like getting up in the morning is pretty. It's not that hard. <laughs> it's like I'm gonna go do it. <laughs> We're gonna go do the thing today. Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, it, like it's it's obviously completely different. You know, four hundred person organization to two is pretty different. <laughs> yeah, with no sort of like uh, manager there just to pepper questions at. <laughs> Although I pepper you a lot. <laughs> but yeah, it's been unreal. Been unreal. So awesome. Lots of learnings. But I go in, uh, a bit deeper in my article. Mm. Uh, so yeah, hopefully people give it a read. Brilliant. So if you haven't already, be sure to check out Ryan's piece on his LinkedIn page. I'm sure he'll pin it to the top as well, make it easy to, It'll be to find. Yeah. Yeah. In be featured pinned. media. Excellent. Well, awesome. I think we've. Uh, We've covered most things. If we haven't covered anything, it'll be in the articles. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Uh, I th- yeah, I think we've covered most bases. Mm. If anyone yeah. wants to ask us anything at all, feel free to send us a question. Most people yeah. do that already, but yeah. carry on and continue. But um, I have liked this episode. It's been fun. I feel like we've done a couple, like maybe one or two of these before, but they're all in different stages. Yeah. This is kind of like a good one because it's like, right. There's two years of, you know, data. Yeah. <laughs> now it's kind of like the final like story. Well, I'm sure we'll do another one in about a year. Exactly. Because like, like very selfishly, like I love taking stock every now and again from our point of view. Mm. I hope people are interested in some point of view, but for us, it's just <laughs> like not. We can listen to it. <laughs> well, that, that's what I mean. Like I just enjoy doing it for ourselves because, like you know, I think it was at the end of 2020 we did a. What did we learn this year? At the end of 2021, yeah. we did a new version of what did we learn this year? I think maybe even mm. after episode 100, we talked about what's happened at that point too. Yeah. And here's another chance to do that again. So, yeah, um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting for us just to listen back to each of those episodes as we continue on. But I wonder what yeah. we'll be talking about in a year's time. Yeah. Anyway, no one will be interested. But we'll, three we'll, year for reflection. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just keep listening to ourselves, I think. <laughs> Alrighty, we'll wrap it up. Uh, as we mentioned, find us on LinkedIn. Flick us a message. We'd love to uh, to get your questions. Plus, of course, the sports great community, which we harp on a lot about, but it is absolutely awesome. Uh, and we, we'd love to see you in there. So to check out our website or, uh, to join or head to our link in the show notes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.